To the other kids at St. Bernard Academy, they were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. But after years of being on the outside... Why'd you lie about me? I don't want to go out with you again. Please, stop begging. It's pathetic. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. Welcome to the Playlist Podcast. I'm Charles Barfield, managing editor of the website, and joining me are two new additions to the Playlist family. Both of these gentlemen are film writers, and you've probably seen them around the block. They are now joining us to help host this new version of the Playlist Podcast. And first, we have Mike D'Angelo. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, you excited to talk about horror movies? Awesome. I, I'm a, a lifelong fan, and... First time caller and uh, can't wait to get into it. Great, great, great. And next we have Brian Farver. Welcome. Greetings. Hello. Yes. And fun fact about Brian that you guys might find interesting. And if you do find this interesting, please let us know because Brian would love to talk to you. He is the only person on the planet that I think has written a complete cinematic universe based around the film Twister. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And um, I mean, I I can go on. Well, I, I I will want people to get me started because I have many uh, ideas as to where this can go. Um, and even as I look back on film ideas I've come up with in the past, I see how other films uh, that I've created could tie into this as well. It's huge. So please, I'd love to hear from you. 24 films in an endgame? Oh, man, I didn't even think about what an endgame could look like, but it would be... Oh man, a convergence of storms. I it's it's going to be as a person who has had many a lunch with Brian Farver, I can say with absolute certainty that he has a notebook full from his middle school years of just terrible terrible film ideas. Thank you. He, he would love Thank to go you. through with us. That we and by terrible we mean fascinating and interesting. Oh, wonderfully fascinating, yes. Okay. Before we get completely off the rails here, um I'd like to mention that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network naturally, where you can find other quality programs such as The Discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall among whatever else we've got going on. All you have to do is go to your podcast app of preference and search for the playlist. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, whatever the kids are using nowadays. And so before we get started with this week's episode, I want to talk about why you hear my voice and not regular host Ryan Oliver, who uh, has hosted the Playlist podcast for quite a while. Uh, He even hosted as it turned into the Discourse podcast, which is still a show that you can listen to on the Playlist podcast network. Uh, Well, you know, Ryan expanded his family, had a, a lovely child, and he is now, uh, you know, doing dad duties, which, you know, who can blame him? That's uh, quite the quite the job in and of itself. And he doesn't quite have the time to do the weekly podcast like he used to. And, and you know, who can blame him for wanting to hang out with this kid and, and his family? So, you know, we fully support that, obviously. And and in lieu of, of him taking his time with his family, we've decided to, uh, you know, carry on the Playlist podcast with myself as host being joined by Brian and Mike. So hopefully, you know, you guys enjoy this and, and you don't miss Brian's uh, voice too much. We hope to have him back at least as a guest in, in the future whenever he wants to, honestly, because he, he's definitely better at this than I am. So keep listening and, and hopefully you guys enjoy. So this is the Halloween week and we're going to be talking about horror a little bit. And we're going to start 
before we get to the movies we're going to discuss, we're going to talk about death because death is a part of horror. There's no way around it. And when we talk about death in film industry right now, we're talking about movie theaters. They're dying, unfortunately. Of course, kind of kidding, kind of not. But (laughs) over the past week, we had news that the James Bond movie, No Time to Die, was perhaps being shopped around to streaming services. This comes after news that the film was delayed from its November date to next April, a full year after it was originally supposed to to be released in theaters. And it was MGM went to Apple most notably and also Netflix, but Apple seemed to be the the company that was the most interested. And various reports are saying that MGM asked Apple for $600 million. Some say it was up to $800 million to have the rights for No Time to Die. And that is an astronomical number, obviously, and and would be the biggest streaming acquisition of all time. However, Apple wasn't budging. They would uh, they were interested, some say around 350 to 400 million, which would have been for a year's worth of exclusivity on Apple TV Plus. Needless to say, the uh, chasm between 350 million and 600 million was too big. And what that all comes around to talk about is is really what this means about movie theaters and the role that streaming is playing. We've seen since COVID hit back in March. And all the movie theaters were shut down. We've seen various studios send movies straight to streaming, delay them for a full year, really just clear out the 2020 schedule. And we're left with about a half dozen of the studio movies that are are still on the schedule for the rest of 2020. And most have, have moved to spring 2021. And even those dates are being discussed as possibly uh, too optimistic. This has left movie theaters, as you might suspect in in shambles um we've had regal shut down most of their theaters in the u.s and even in the uk their amc reports are saying that they're going bankrupt by the end of the year if things don't change mom and pop independent theaters are going out of business or threatening to be going out of business it's basically the the movie theater industry is in a bad way so i'd love to talk to you guys about this i know that I'm not sure if Brian, if you've been to a movie theater since COVID, I know Mike has, cause we went and saw new mutants, but uh, yeah, just talk about what you guys think about this and, and the possibility of movie theaters, if not going away, being completely changed. Yeah. I think it's super, super sad because I, I love being in a movie theater and experiencing a movie with an audience it's kind of uh, due to my kind of subsequent lack of religion it is my church that i go to to kind of level out so it's been a tough kind of uh a few months uh, or six months or whatever it's been but uh i wouldn't compare that to you know getting covid and, and getting giving relatives covid and all that stuff so uh, i mean it, as far as the, the future movie theaters go it, it the thing the business is always it, it was always headed this way but this really uh accelerated things at a at an incredible rate so i mean i love watching movies period i'm i'm fine watching things at home if if that's the way it's going to be predominantly but i still want that theater theatrical experience as an option, you know, whenever this does clear up, but who who knows what shape the the environment's going to be in. 
Yeah, I completely agree with what you just said about, you know, I'll watch a movie anywhere. Um, to answer your question, uh, Charles, yes, I did see Tenet in um, theaters. I remember that being a very bizarre experience. Uh, on one hand, it was it, it was nice in that, I mean, my wife of five people there and the uh, service was, was awesome as far as concessions were concerned, you know, them bringing the food dust and everything. It was, those things were really nice. But I also remember it being really bizarre because just looking around at the theater and seeing posters up for movies that by that point had long since been shifted to streaming. Um, it was very much a frozen in time sort of experience. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, that all said, yeah, I agree with, with you, Mike. I, I will absolutely uh, miss this feeling uh, if this if these theaters do in fact go away um, to whatever degree that might be. Uh, I know you had said recently, Mike, that there will always be a niche market for this. And I definitely agree with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely, as I look ahead to the rest of this year, early next year, I mean, I would be shocked if these major chains don't uh, completely shut down the rebuilding process, you know, whenever COVID decides to, you know, calm down could be, I don't even know how many years it could be to get us back to even remotely where we were. Um, I, I'm, I would be curious to see what that looks like, but yeah, it's either way. It's sad. No matter how you look at it, it's very sad. Um, I, I will miss it and I'll just leave it at this. It, it kind of drives me nuts when I see people talking about all this casting news, you know, uh, Gal Gadot is going to be Cleopatra and things like this. And I'm thinking to myself, well, guys, how about you wait and see what the landscape looks like as far as streaming and as far as movie theaters are concerned before you start greenlighting all these films? Let's just just calm well, down. Well, the content, the content always know? has to be there, you know, so they're oh, going to keep absolutely. making content. They all have their streamers. And if they don't, they're getting ready to launch them. You can be sure of that. So, I mean, yeah. It, it is what it is. I mean, it sucks to see something come to such a screeching halt, uh, especially something we love so much. But I don't know that there's there's any way out of this beyond the streaming realm. Yeah. yeah and and, and so uh, that's kind of where where I wanted to transition this, because I want to talk about streaming. Uh, when we talk about streaming, too, let's let's be specific. There's the streaming services like you have Netflix, you have Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, things like that. Um, Amazon Prime Video just recently uh, launched the new Borat movie, which was huge. Uh, Netflix mm -hmm. is buying just about everything that they can possibly get their hands on. Um, and then you also have premium video on demand, which seems to be the, the buzzword where you see movies like uh, Mulan went to Disney plus, but you know, you had to pay a premium for that. Uh, the King of Staten Island was another one. Uh, there are a variety of movies, antebellum also, um, these movies are being offered to people, but you have to pay 20 bucks a shot to, to watch them. Sometimes that's only covering a rental. Sometimes it, you get to purchase it. Uh, but all things considered, that seems to be where the options lie for these studios, right? So you, t you mentioned Cleopatra, and and that's clearly going to be a movie that's going to cost 100, 150 million at least. Uh, right. That is going to need a box office, like a pre-COVID box office, to turn a profit, or 
it's going to have to be sold to a Netflix or an Apple or, you know, somebody like that. And uh, so I understand it, it, it is odd to see these companies green light movies, but also, you know, they're hoping that this does only last a year and that 2021, everything kind of works itself out and they can get back to releasing billion dollar movies. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, at least not for, like you said, years, perhaps. So it is odd, but, you know, they have to do something. <laughs> these studios yeah. have to these studios yeah. have to release movies. Bond has to be released. Uh, they either take the loss and sell it to a streamer. They do POVOD or they test the waters like Warner Brothers did with Tenet. Like, those are the options. So mm-hmm. if you guys, I'll, I'll pose this question. If you guys were, you know, MGM and and you're given those options, uh, where do you think you would you would land with Bond, uh, even if it is waiting until March? Yeah, well, that's strictly a business decision there. Uh, I mean, they sunk how much into this, you know, multiple marketing campaigns. And uh, I don't even know how much the the you know, the it was a dramatic production in general. So I don't even know much how much they spent just to. Uh, reshoot it in general. So just to uh, just to interject, I, I will give you some numbers because they yeah. they're starting to come out. Uh, apparently, the report said that the first time they started marketing the movie early this spring, it was about fifty million dollars that MGM put into that. Then when they re, uh, rescheduled and started amping up the marketing again this fall, they spent about another thirty million. And apparently, one of the reports said that it costs roughly $1 million per month just for MGM to hold on to it because of the interest on the loans that they took out to finance the movie. Uh, <laughs> so just oh. holding on to the movie is costing them money. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got to try to recoup as much as they can, and they think the theatrical experience is the only way that they're going to do that. Obviously – you can't just take what Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus or Netflix is offering if they're only offering like 350 and you've sunk hundreds and hundreds of millions into this. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I they're between they're between a rock and a hard place. And if I were them, I, I'd probably be holding out for the theaters, too, because that's if if those come alive again, that's the only shot they really have. I agree. And then even just looking at it from a from a film going perspective, as much as I, you know, said a moment ago that I'll watch a movie on a streaming platform or in a theater, that's just one of those movies I I'd rather see it in theaters. I, I and I'm prepared to wait. Um, I'm not the world's biggest Bond fan, but um, I am a fan of of high profile tent poles like that, and I I'd, I'd rather see it on the biggest screen possible. So. Yeah, definitely a business decision, but um, I mean, yeah, hopefully it all works out and they can get it into theaters. And if it takes however long it takes, <laughs> uh, hopefully they, you know, have enough dump trucks full of money that they can <laughs> continue to wait. <laughs> um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's 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 unfortunate because the 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 chicken and the egg scenario that everybody keeps talking about is theaters need movies to survive. Movies yeah. need theaters to be yep. strong to release movies. Yep. So you can't release a Bond when 2,000 theaters are open and opening and you can maybe make like what Tenant did, which is $50 million domestically. Uh, plus, we're also seeing that worldwide, uh, some other countries are shutting shutting down theaters as they start to get more spikes in COVID. So 
the the worldwide release isn't even a guarantee anymore so it, it it's tough because you know amc regal uh all these chains and and the mom and pop places are are hoping that bond comes out in march they would have loved it to come out in november but you know it's not even that these theaters are closed because a lot of them are open it's that just people are, are really freaked out right now and they would rather sit at home and enjoy the streaming movies that are available and and wait for a bond unfortunately you know that wait could cost a lot of people a lot of money and some businesses their livelihood so yeah. it is a very difficult situation and and i don't know that there's an answer yeah mm. it's tough yeah and yes. i was looking i was looking at uh i was like surely tenet didn't make just 50 million dollars but it did it domestically that's that's mm-hmm. where it's hanging right now is 52.5 million yeah uh, obviously worldwide totals are are bigger than that they're at like 341 million worldwide but that's with what they're getting back versus you know how much they put into it they're still hitting hitting a pretty good loss there so yeah, that's yes yeah. that's rough and, yep and for we're talking Christopher Nolan here too. This guy makes big movies, and and that was uh, we can get we're not going to get into the tenant discussion. That's a that's a big discussion. <laughs> but uh, regardless of what you think of the quality of the movie, uh, it did have big stars. It did have Christopher Nolan's name, and it was the type of movie that quote unquote has to be seen on the big screen. So, you know, if that movie can't do it, you know, why would WB just be like okay wonder woman let's let's do this in december or mgm's gonna be like oh bond let's go in november like it's clear that those movies just can't survive in the current landscape um and and so yeah there's just really no way around it uh i would like to to transition now into our discussion of the movies that are being released uh this is halloween week and we did watch three horror movies um i'll say quote unquote horror movies because uh <laughs> when we get to the craft i don't know that i could the craft legacy i mean i don't know that i could qualify that as a horror movie but we'll we'll talk about that when we get there uh we saw kindred uh which is an ifc films release it's a british movie um it's a if i had to describe it i would say it's in the same vein of a psychological thriller like hereditary maybe not as brutal but uh kind of a slow burn no jump scare sort of creepy feature uh then we watched spell which is uh a movie that is uh it's much more horror than kindred or the craft but it's also uh a very interesting uh, almost grindhousey movie, um, which is good. And then, of course, we watched The Craft Legacy, which um, is the highly anticipated sequel to a movie that 90s kids, quote unquote, love, uh, me being one of them. And uh, so we'll talk about that sequel. But let's start with Kindred, because uh, I've been aching to, to hear what you guys have been talk, uh, thinking about this movie, because uh, for the listeners, I've I've seen this movie. Uh, I saw it a while ago, actually. And uh, it was a movie that is uh, something that resonated with me. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And and just to give you a background, it's a movie about a woman who uh, is pregnant and goes through a, a terrible tragedy and is then left uh, without spoiling anything. She's under the care of some people in a house, like a big Victorian mansion. And uh, – they may or may not have her best interest in mind. And it's this idea that she feels trapped and has to escape um, while also caring for this unborn child. 
so uh so mike i'll go to you uh yeah. what did you think of kindred hearing all that uh, you know your reaction to it was kind of interesting because my reaction to it was extremely different in that i thought it was just like a trite boring just slog of a film with that said it, it is not without merit uh, the acting in it was not in in, in any realm bad. Uh, I wouldn't say the the cinematography was was bad, but I also wouldn't say it was anything to write home about. Um, and you know, I mean, you can you can always get a, a decent performance out of Fiona Shaw um, when it comes to. <laughs> creepiness and you know british up night uptightness but you know i i just i i felt the whole time that everything was moving at a snail's pace i didn't feel the tension at all as far as um you know the the main character goes and her kind of <sighs> Her her basic uh, struggle with the the people that she stuck with. I'm trying to kind of dance around spoilers here, but but basically, I I was not sold on it at all. I, I thought it was very predictable and a, a rehash of things we'd seen before. Um, just just not really impressed at all when it comes to uh, Kindred. I know there was it reminded me a lot of a movie called Hush. The Gwyneth Paltrow movie with Jessica Lange, that one. Oh yes. Yeah, and and even that one I thought was a better version, and I didn't particularly like that one. <laughs> but <All right>. uh, <laughs> yeah, I and 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 even calling this one a horror movie, if I wouldn't agree that this is even in that kind of genre. You could call it mild mild thriller. <laughs> well, for me, here let me. That's a personal attack on me because I did pick this movie so i feel like i have to defend myself here it is not a horror movie in the blumhouse vein of horror movies that people are, yes. are so used to nowadays there are no jump scares this isn't gory uh there's no uh i i mean this isn't even really a spoiler but just something you should probably know going into the movie there's no demon involved in anything this is a horror movie that is really about being trapped it's about you know, caring about, you know, your your own self, but also this unborn child. And then, uh, you know, these people are uh, perhaps evil, perhaps just very overprotective. And, and it's the paranoia that I think uh, that really sells this movie for myself. But uh, Brian, uh, what did you, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, uh, a lot of what Mike said, I I absolutely agree with. I I did enjoy the atmosphere was was nice. It was very atmospheric. Um, yeah, performances overall fine. Um, Fiona Shaw, I, I I had some issues with, um, although you know, while obviously a great performance in the Super Mario Brothers movie in 1993, <laughs> um, as I think her character's name was Lena. Um, she 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 has a really good way of telling a story or selling a line with her eyes. And I think there were some scenes where she was speaking to, um, oh, what is the, the Charlotte? Uh, yeah. She'd be speaking to her and you would just, her eyes would just be very, almost really sinister. Um, so there were some great moments like that. I really enjoyed the score. 
uh, mm. very minimalist, um, but very effective. But it was just a movie I'd seen before. Uh, Hush is a great comparison, Mike. That that really hits it on the head. I I could see a lot of where this was going. Um, you know, there were little, I guess we'll call them montages here and there. Of, you know, we see a, a quick shot of, I, again, not not trying to get too into the movie, but like a, a bird, and then we'd see a clip of her screaming and things like that. And it's almost like there's symbolism here, but I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not picking up on it. Um, it's just, it, it was almost trying to be symbolic for the sake of being symbolic, if that makes sense. Um, overall, yeah. I just found it to be a story that I, I knew where this was going. And although I, again, didn't mind the performances as a whole, I didn't mind the, the setting, the, uh, the cinematography, like I said, it was just, I, I, yeah, I was very bored, very bored by the <laughs> film. I'm sorry, Charles. It was just... It's not a movie after a you know long day of work. Oh, I think I'll unwind with Kindred today. It's, <laughs> I get that. I get that. And you know, you know it's, it, it is a movie that, like I, I, I did say it was a slow burn. Um, yeah. It's a movie that I think maybe I just, I was in the right mindset to watch it. I, I yeah. Going into it, I had heard uh, next to nothing about it. There wasn't even a trailer released at the point when I saw it. And it was, uh, so I, I went in with fresh eyes, not knowing what to expect. And, and there's a moment... Um, uh, the beginning of the movie, I, I will admit, was a it was a little rough going. But there's a moment in the first act when this tragedy happens to Charlotte, who's played by uh, Tamara Lawrence, by the way, who um, the main character. She does a really great job. Uh, Fiona Shaw also is very good. But uh, there's a, a tragedy that happens and it is handled in this brutal kind of matter of fact way. And the there's a, a shot in a car that just kind of lingers on uh, the character Charlotte as she's like coming to the realization that her world is completely changing. And it is, I mean, it, it worked for me. Uh, granted the rest of the movie kind of takes a left turn and it turns into a different type of movie. But uh, from then on, I was kind of, I was sold. Uh, and maybe it was the acting that really did it for me, but um, yeah, I, I just kind of, I kind of dug it. But I, again, I totally understand why somebody might yeah. look at that and say, uh, it's a bit of a slog. Yeah. I'll agree with you on that scene. I thought that was that was really effective, but I yep. the everything else just felt like a snail's pace. It just did not and the 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 metaphors that they were trying to tie in there, I just wasn't wasn't feeling it, man. Yeah. Okay. Too All much right. slow, not enough burn. It was definitely a slow burn. Um, Fair yeah, enough. but comparisons to hereditary, at least that, you know, built to something. This one just <sighs> yeah. for me it didn't. Hereditary, maybe okay. Maybe I did overhype it when I when I pitched it as a, a hereditary esque movie. It, it definitely doesn't have that same sort of uh, brutality that the film builds to uh, in Hereditary. Um, but that being said, I, I just want to get across that if you're in the mood for something that isn't a jump scare fest, that isn't this grindhousey bloody mess, and you just want to watch a very British movie with some very good acting. Uh, you could go a lot worse than Kendrick. Like <laughs> it's very That's British. The, you are correct. The best way to sell this movie yes. is a very British movie with some good acting. All right. <laughs> fair enough. And on that note, let's move on to Spell, which is about as non-British as you could get. Uh, if, right? I mean, let's be honest here. This movie, uh, just to give some background, is a movie about a, uh, a black man and his family who... Uh, 
it's not, I don't know that it's ever really said what his job is, but it is clear that they have a lot of money and are living a very nice, cushy life. And he's a he lawyer. Has, oh, he, is he a lawyer? Okay. Mm-hmm. He honestly, uh, once you start watching the movie, his job just doesn't even matter at some point, but that's it neither does. here nor there. Uh, <laughs> however, what you need to know is that they are a uh, very well to do family, and he decides that he wants to go back to his hometown in rural Appalachia and he does this by you know the way we all travel in our own private planes and (laughs) while traveling in his private plane with his wife and his two kids who are they never really give ages but you assume they're maybe 16 to 18 somewhere around that age uh something happens and and they crash uh he wakes up much like kindred he's in a house doesn't really know what's going on and uh what we then find out is uh there's some serious, perhaps supernatural things going on, and uh, the movie kind of really kicks into gear. Um, let's start with Brian here. What did you think of Spell? Hmm. I mean, there were things I liked, things I didn't like. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about the vibe I got from the film because there were moments where I thought, oh, this is going into like a hills have eyes sort of territory. Um Mike, you had said even before we watched it that it seems like like misery and uh, the movie Misery, not the experience of watching the film. But <laughs> I, I, I felt that at times. Um, but it, it definitely has that vibe, too. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I again, much like the last film, I feel like for the most part, the performances were. We're, we're pretty well committed and that's something I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tee up the craft a little bit here uh, that, you know, I can always tell when somebody is doing, doing the best they can with what they've got. And in that sense, I, I feel like most of the cast did just that. I, I, I did like um, the kind of Gothic nature of, of, again, I don't, I don't want to get too into this, um, but there was a very gothic feel to it um and there were some actually moments that um i'm I'm gonna tell you i watched this movie while i was uh on an exercise bike and i had to stop at one point because something kind of disgusting happened i'm just gonna say it involves eyes and i did not enjoy it um (laughs) at all so i had to take a moment and if you saw my face at that moment i was like yep Guess I'm not eating breakfast today. So, um, <laughs> but overall, I mean, was it bad? No, I'm not going to say that this was a bad movie. And I, it was definitely far more watchable um, than than Kindred, but very, very full of cliche. Oh my gosh, this was a cliche fest. Um, Do you want to ex- uh, as, go as far as uh, Appalachian cliche cliches okay. or Louisiana kind of cliches or whatever you're talking about? It was. About? It, I could it, see the, yeah. the twists. Ahead. There's no, I mean, not twists, but I could see exactly where this one was going to. Um, you know, like I was even reminded of not just um, Hills of Ice, but like even Cabin Fever. If anybody remembers that one, yeah. um, you know, getting into horror film. Uh, there's one point where, okay, maybe you guys can explain this to me. They're flying in their private plane to go to this funeral do they stop at a gas station, like a regular <laughs> gas station to fill up the plane? Yeah, I, the, it, it did seem a bit unnecessary, uh, that whole yeah. scene. And and I'll, I'll say that the, the first act of this movie 
is pretty rough with the the line reads and uh the characters and and all that it really picks up uh after the plane incident but uh yes, yes he does stop at a gas station to fill up uh yeah. in a in a, a gas station straight out of texas chainsaw massacre Absolutely. very much um and then they there's a scene where the 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 son in this family meets one of the locals and their their exchanges it reminds me of that again that kid from cabin fever wasn't his name like pancakes or something that was all he said <laughs> Uh, it, it, it oh, had boy. shades of that, um, obviously not, not to that extreme, but it was still, yeah, the, the, you're right about the dialogue. It was rough. And there, the thing about that movie too, is there was a lot of outbursts in this film that sometimes seemed very unwarranted. Like, whoa, why are you reacting to what he just said? Like that gas station attendant guy. I don't know. That's just, maybe that's just me. That's my you, you clearly have issues with this gas station. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. He, I think he's still stuck at the gas station. Metaphorically speaking. Why would you stop there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a bush pilot, as he very clearly stated in the film. Um, I, yeah, he I don't could know. navigate by the stars, guys. He could. Yes, do. that's yeah. that he could. OK, Mike, let's uh, get away from the gas station. What do you think? <laughs> You know, in comparison to the the one we just talked about, Kindred, I thought this was a pretty entertaining watch. There were things that I, I certainly didn't love about it, uh, where it leaned into things a little uh, harder than others. But, you know, as far as the the the, the scares and the, the gore and the just entertainment factor for just like a B-movie, you know, horror flick, uh, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. And it, it, it owes a lot to Get Out and misery and stuff like that. But it, it felt at least mildly original to, to kind of give it uh, a full pass. I'd recommend someone watching it one time. I think Loretta Devine, yes. while, while she really chews the scenery, is pretty good in the movie. I'll agree uh, with that. Yeah, Loretta Devine, if there is one reason to watch this movie, that that lady who, uh, if you don't know the name, you would definitely know her when you see her. She's uh, an actress that's been in a number of, of projects. Uh, the moment she gets on screen, and, and that's really where this movie picks up, it is the Loretta Devine show, and she just enjoys yeah. every moment. Yeah, she's amazing in the movie. And the guy, uh, yep. Omari Hardwick, is that it? Yeah, yeah. The, the lead. The lead from Power. Uh, yeah, he, he did a solid job. I mean, you needed to kind of see the world through his eyes. And uh, I, I was never really put off by any of his acting or anything like that. But uh, Loretta Devine and, and John Beasley, her, who plays her husband, is, they're both pretty great in the movie. And there are some little uh, Appalachian things that, you know, being outside of that area, I was never really – uh, welcomed in that area whenever I traveled. <laughs> it seemed like I'd get looked up and down at a gas station. So, I mean, I definitely thought that that experience was authentic and that you boys ain't from around here kind of vibe. Uh, it definitely rang true to me. But, you know, the whole, I don't know how much we can say as far as spoilers go, but I'll just say that there is a little bit of hoodoo voodoo stuff. Yes. Uh, you're either in for it or you're not. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, uh, for I, sure. I, I thought it was fine. You know. Yeah, I uh, I also want to mention uh, the director, Mark Tonderai, who um, previously did the old Jennifer Lawrence, uh, young Jennifer Lawrence movie, The House at the End of the Street. Um, he's also done a number of TV shows in the 
interim. He, uh, at first, we, again, we're going to talk about this whole intro. There's a lot of odd choices as far as camera angles go, uh, as far as uh, lighting and color. It's it's kind of it's kind of a mishmash, and you're kind of wondering like, you know, where's this going? But once it gets <laughs> to Appalachia, once uh, once the Omari Hardwick is in the house with Loretta Divine, I think the just kind of everything coalesces, and and it's a lot of fun. You're just and and I'll say, unlike Kindred, uh, this is not a slow burn. No. A lot of things happen in this movie very fast. There will be moments when you watch this film and you'll be like, well, they're not going to do. Oh, they are going to do that. Okay. (laughs) Um, And, 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 and moments that will, will, like Brian said, uh, there are moments that'll make you go, no. And, (laughs) and then you're, and then it's, it's downright disgusting. It's got that, that, that mood of a movie where uh, I don't know who the audience is for this. um, Yeah. But I, I think if you are a fan of horror and you're looking for something a little offbeat, this this definitely can keep you interested over Halloween for sure. You yeah. know what it reminded me of? Red State. A little bit Red State vibe, <laughs> oh, the Kevin boy. Smith film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why I just thought of that, but it, I, I'm picturing Red State, especially that, that scene I mentioned. I don't know. That's just... Sorry about that. Yeah. Mike, what were you going to say? The only thing I had against it was it, it took a lot from Get Out. You could obviously feel yeah. the, the presence of Get Out, but it didn't take a lot of the metaphor from it. No. So no. it didn't really, you know, come at anything from from an angle uh, of of the black experience or whatever you'd want to call it. Sure. I, I didn't really feel any of that. It was just there to, to kind of <clears throat> bring in the, the, I mean, the voodoo stuff. <laughs> I keep bringing it up, but it, it's it's freaking weird, man. And you're either willing to to roll with it or you're not. Yeah, and I think I I, I think at that point, if you if you get to where they start bringing out the the voodoo dolls and all that, I forget what what they actually call them in the movie. And I I'm sorry if that's uh, ignorant of me, but once you get <laughs> to that point, you know that's where the movie just really takes a turn and. And if you're willing to to ride it out, you will be uh, pleasantly surprised. It, I believe it it's called for. the Boogity, by the way. The Boogity, that's what it is. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, like Mr. Boogity. Yeah. Shout out to Disney. Okay. <laughs> Come on, can we just talk about Mr. Boogity? I mean, nope. that is... Nope. That is <laughs> no. And on that note, we are going to talk about uh, the main event this week, a movie that I think all three of us were excited to see for various reasons, uh, The Craft Legacy. This is... A sequel to The Craft, which was a, I believe it came out in 95, 96? 96. Uh, 96, okay. It is uh, a movie, the the original, is a movie about four young women who are in high school. They're the weirdos, as they like to say. And the most beautiful weirdos you've ever seen. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a trope of 90s movies, isn't it? Yes. But it, yeah, they are uh, weirdos that find out that they are all imbued with a little bit of magic. Uh, from there, they, you know, start testing the limits of their powers. Uh, jealousy happens. They get a little bit of infighting, and then it all boils over to a, a big knockdown dragout fight at the end. It's a movie that admittedly is not great, um, but I was a, gosh, I was an early teen when that movie came out, to date myself. And that really hit me. The the we were joking about this, but the terrible cover of How Soon Is Now by the Smiths that is mm-hmm. uh, featured heavily in the original, I just thought was the coolest thing at the time. Uh, and and people like uh, Robin 
uh, Tunney and um, Feruza Balk, I believe, were the two leads. They were just great. And and it was a movie that uh, I've even shown people recently. I, I, I sat with my wife and we watched The Craft, uh, I think maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and she thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a fun turn off your brain movie um that that is very 90s but but very kind of silly and fun and and a good horror movie with that in mind let's talk about the craft legacy uh, <laughs> uh is coming out uh i guess by the time this podcast is is released it will already be out for a premium video on demand uh it is written and directed by zoe lister jones who is uh, probably best known for her acting, but she also directed, uh, wrote and directed a, an indie movie called Band-Aid, which was pretty well received. Uh, this is a, uh, The Craft Legacy, I mean, is a sequel, very much a sequel to the original movie. It stars uh, some young actresses that actually uh, look at the roles. Like they they definitely look like teenagers, which is which is great. And they, uh, again, the story is about four young women come together. They're the weirdos at their school. They discover they have magical abilities. They test the limits of their magic and craziness ensues. Uh, it's a Blumhouse movie, uh, which would lead you to believe that there's going to be jump scares and, and frights to be had. But uh, without giving too much away, I'll, I'll personally say that this was not a horror movie in my eyes. Uh, not scary at all. But uh, before we get to my take, uh, Mike, what did you think? And and also uh, before you get into your your thoughts, yeah, uh, if you could describe your history with the craft, that'd be awesome. So yeah, I I have a you know a mild remembrance of the the 1996 version, and and uh, basically I I don't think I'd ever seen it the whole way through until today. I watched them both back to back. Uh, which is one heck of a double feature, if I do say so myself. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, the first half of the original movie, I was really in. I was like, man, this 90s nostalgia is really powering me through this. I'm enjoying myself. And then it becomes a bit of a, a slow slog that never really is a horror movie in itself anyway. So I, in that, I was never like, wait a minute, this isn't a horror movie because the original to me, <laughs> I'd just seen and it wasn't a horror movie. So um, for me, I mean, it's about, you know, female empowerment and coming into your own uh, power, uh, you know, as a woman. And and that's not something that obviously is made for us. But I yeah, let's get that out of the way. We are three white men talking about a (laughs) movie that if you've if you guys have seen The Craft or The Craft Legacy, but especially Legacy, this is a movie that is tailor made for for young women specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, And and so, I mean, with that said, I thought it was a a fairly decent follow up to the the original. It doesn't have any of that 90s nostalgia unless you uh, throw in a good needle drop that happens towards the beginning. Um, But I I really like Morissette, by the way. Yes. Uh, I wanted to save that for for those who would start singing with the girls. Um, but uh, yeah, Zoe Lister Jones, I like her. I liked Band Aid with Adam Pally and herself. Um, I like the the lead Kaylee Spaney, if I'm saying that right. Uh, yes. She does she does a, 
uh, I, I was trying to figure out why I recognized her because I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. And then I realized that my wife and I had watched Devs uh, when it when it drops. So uh, she looks, you know, completely different, is, is a completely different character. So I, I was kind of rooting for her the whole time. I thought she was a fairly decent lead. Um, as far as the, the four main leads, she was definitely the uh, the standout for me outside of um, what's her name? Gideon Adlon. Yes, Pamela yeah. Adlon's kid. Yeah. So yeah, she she definitely had her moments uh, towards the beginning, but eventually all the girls just became kind of bland. Um, and there was a a big turn that you guys all know about that I'm I'm referencing that. You know, it's it's ham fisted. It's a bit heavy handed. It's the the message is is unmistakable. But, you know, if I was a, a teenage girl watching this movie, uh, I'd probably get a lot of fun out of it. I'd probably enjoy myself and, you know, watch it a few times with with my friends. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't I don't fault it for being what it is. It's definitely a flawed film. It is not a horror film. I'd say much like the original craft, it's a PG-13 kind of fantasy film uh, and, and don't really ex- expect more than that. Sadly, missing Robin Tunney and Nev Campbell and, uh, you know, certain people. Uh, I, I already knew there was a, a cameo coming and that cameo in itself was disappointing. Uh, so and it wasn't Skeet Ulrich, Skeet Ulrich everybody. So uh, <laughs> I, I can't I, I can't say that I was happy there. But, you know, all, all in all, I, I'd give it a pass. All right. Fair enough, Brian. OK, I didn't know. Uh, until a second ago that Skeet Ulrich was in the first movie. You're um, damn right he was. Wow. The Newton boy Skeet Ulrich. Um, <laughs> I, okay. And that'll actually kind of cue that up here. I, I still have not seen the original craft. Um, and, and let's, let's say that you were willing to watch the original craft, but I, I yes. thought it would be interesting for you to watch the sequel without the first film. Absolutely. Um, and that was a good choice. Um, because, I mean, I found this movie to be extremely watchable. I and I, I actually 100% agree with the with the girl comment that if if I were if I were female, I'd probably have a great time watching this with my with my own. Uh, what, did they call themselves like the Coven or something they are like a coven, that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Witches um, Covens. Yes. Um, yeah. I I I can't again say that I found a a bad performance in this movie. I will say, and I don't know why this bothered me, but when I saw Michelle, uh, how do you say her last name? Monahan. Um, I just got really annoyed. Like, wow, she's just, she's really in a lot of movies, isn't she? And I, 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 I can't really, I can't really understand what she, what she did with her character. Like in that opening scene, um, I was getting really annoyed. Um, you're that just mad said, that she couldn't sing, is is what yeah, you're okay. saying. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's set this up for people who may have not seen the movie. The The movie opens with a car ride between Michelle Monaghan, who plays the mother of uh, the lead, Kaylee uh, Spanny. And they're in the car. They're clearly moving to a new place, uh, which we then find out is to the house of the mother's boyfriend, played by David Duchovny. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the ride, there is, in fact, a sing-along to a very famous Alanis Morissette song, which you may just roll your eyes at or you may just enjoy and sing along with. You know, your mileage may vary. But 
there is this clear relationship between mother and daughter that is is throughout the movie where Michelle Monaghan plays it almost as the cool mom, the best friend mom, almost like uh, what <laughs> a much lesser extent to the mother in Mean Girls played by uh, Amy Poehler. But <laughs> yeah. it's one of those mothers where you're like, you know, she, she's the cool mom because she curses and gives her, you know, daughter, her teenage daughter, some wine to drink and stuff like that. So, yes, yeah. I, I, I do understand your your slight annoyance there. The, the mother, uh, she doesn't have a huge role, but... Yeah, she does show up at some uh, poignant times. And I overall like her as an actress. Like, she's fine in, in the Mission Impossible uh, saga. And uh, you know, overall, you know, kiss, fine. Kiss, bang, but bang. Yes. Yes. yes yeah, oh, yes. Very much. Um, but, and, and again, like, getting back to the film itself, um, did I need to see that first movie? No, not at all. Um, easy to figure out what was going on here again. You know, much like like the other films, extremely predictable. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I, I guess maybe you guys can help me and maybe this is explored in the original film. But how how do these girls get their powers? No, exactly? not explored. OK, not explored. So, <laughs> wow. that is a good transition to to my take, I believe, because, yeah. yes, I come from this as somebody like I said, I, I have a deep appreciation of the original movie. Uh, I'm very fond of it. And one of the things about that movie is these girls, uh, The it's a very similar structure. There are three girls that are already in the school that are exploring their powers, looking for a fourth. Um, you don't really know why. You find you, – you get the basic idea that these are girls that are very uh, – uh, weird is a, a wrong word. But these are, are, are girls that don't really tend to fall in the norm. They're and outcasts. They, they're outcasts, yes. And – and thus, they're into goth stuff, apparently, because that's how it goes in movies. <laughs> but uh, the the movie really takes off in the first and in this sequel when the fourth, which um, is uh, able to, to join the coven and really uh, allow them to fully explore their powers. And just like in the first movie, the fourth has just inherent abilities that she kind of knows about, but, you know, kind of writes it off as just something weird about her uh so to answer your question nothing is is really ever explained but that's also uh where my issues are with this new movie and i'll just flat out say i i did not like this movie at all um the acting in this movie i think is rough i think uh michelle monaghan is is kind of in her own world unfortunately and she is a great actress uh david duchovny i don't know what he's doing in this movie Uh, i will give you he is all over the place he yeah he is there is a point in the movie he turns turns it up to 11 and is not good uh then i will say though uh in defense of of some of this movie the four girls the four leads are really good and you can tell even though that uh um Gideon Adlon and Kaylee Spaney have been in other movies before. Uh, I, I do have to, to mention Lovey Simone and Zoe Luna, who are, are actresses I've never really seen before. If I have, I, I haven't registered. And they uh, they really do well. And there's this chemistry that is just you know palpable between these four girls. They they genuinely seem like really good friends. And and because of the the way they they seem like high school kids, it, it's you you buy their their friendship, which I think is is crucial to the this movie. Unfortunately, 
this movie plays like the first 30 minutes like it's a rehash of the original film, which uh, in and of itself is is kind of annoying. But this movie decides Especially when you're just coming out of watching yeah. the first one. I can imagine that yeah. would be a bit of a problem. But there is a point in this movie uh, where they they diverge, where the stories turn from infighting between the girls, which is in the first movie, to the girls versus the world, particularly uh, the men of the world yeah. uh, in in this sequel. And it's and that isn't to 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 throw shade at the movie at all. Uh, the politics is movie are fine it's 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 clearly got a a point of view and i you know am totally okay with where it goes and the the things that that's not what bothered me what bothered me was the dialogue uh which i'll just say is very much like the original craft this movie is going to feel incredibly dated even in two years um they're using terms and and it's it's very similar to the steve buscemi you know Hey, they're young kids or hey, they're young people butchering it. <laughs> but these are these are, these girls say things that are very 2020 and that's fine. But it also just it kind of it feels did feel like uh, a 30, 40 year old writing teen dialogue at times. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yes. then uh, there's a problem that uh, which I think is the crux of my issue with this movie, which is in the first movie, these girls discover their powers and the bulk of the second act is them kind of exploring what this means what can they do do they use it for good do they use it for bad if you were 16 17 and had this power what would you do with it you would obviously get back at the bullies right and i think those are things that are hugely relatable and this movie just glosses over that there's a moment where they they all realize they have powers and then a montage happens that lasts maybe two minutes and it basically fast forwards through all that stuff, which I found incredibly uh, endearing in the first movie. And this movie just is like, oh, well, yeah, they have powers. Uh, let's fast forward to how they when they really know how to use them and skip all that fun stuff. And let's get to, you know, the bad guy. And that's true. No, feels, I'll I'll disagree there. They don't say let's get to the bad guy, and that's well, the problem. <laughs> right. Okay. But what ends up happening is there's a moment after the montage where uh without getting into spoilers, one of the girls does something that the other girls don't agree with, and there's some infighting, but it's very minimal compared to the first movie, especially. But from that moment on, it doesn't become a craft movie anymore. The magic is very much not used. Uh it becomes a teen drama. This felt like, and 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 this is sad, but it felt like an episode of Buffy, like a forgettable episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're going to set up this power, these these girls in the first 20 minutes. We're going to, you know, talk about the social issues, which we clearly want to discuss. And then, oh, crap, we have to throw in a bad guy at the end. And yeah, it was it was rough. Towards the middle, I found myself like literally kind of laughing out loud at this movie and I felt bad about it because I just was, it was ridiculous in my mind. The thing I will say is the, the first half and the second half are, are definitely different degrees of quality. Um, and the reason of that is, is it does become less of a, a, a teen fantasy witchcraft kind of movie and more of a teen drama turns into a suddenly a superhero movie. Yes. Uh, and yeah. that the third act is just a mess, but 
it feels like said, you know, oh, go ahead. Still watchable. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the 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 third act is it it's rushed like there's no other way to to explain it. It's just it again, there's there's something that happens uh, that is predictable but also surprising at the same time because you know something is amiss, but then when it happens, you're like, no, they're not going to, oh, okay. <laughs> That's no, how they they're going to do it? That's how they're going to do this, okay. <laughs> yep. And then the the entire final confrontation is, it feels like it was shot in like a back lot in maybe two days. It feels almost- It does feel like a reshoot almost. Yeah, yeah. it does. And it's very strange yeah. because it doesn't fit the tone or anything of the, the first part of the movie. All the drama is suddenly just washed away. All the the relationships, which they spent so much time exploring, is just kind of like you know shuffled away so that they could have what Mike said, a, a superhero ending. Um, and and it, it feels unearned and it feels uh, just not what this- uh, what the craft should be. And I, again, I'm talking about this movie as if it's citizen Kane, but it's, it's a movie that is very, uh, in my mind, it's a movie that is, uh, very clear in what it does. It's not a superhero movie. It's probably not a horror movie in the strictest sense, but it is about these teen girls and it's about being an outcast and it's about, uh, discovering you have power and what you can do with it what this movie turns into is not that yeah uh i mean it's 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 very much a a movie that becomes a message and that message is a little ham-fisted like i was saying but um my my issues were in the third act and especially the the lack of understanding anything about the villain uh yes other than like one one sentence that he uh repeats throughout um, yes. And that's really all you have to go on. And I, you know, hey, it is what it is in the end. It's still a teen movie that I'd probably forgive the third act for uh, if I were younger. Uh, I will say when I was a teen and, and would have watched uh, the original craft, uh, I sure as hell would have forgiven a lot of this stuff. So yeah. we're not the target audience. Teen girls are probably going to eat it up is what it is. No, no, and I agree. Again, I'm a way too old male that should probably not <laughs> care this much about the craft. I will grant you that. But just on a pure movie-watching film fan perspective, uh, there are some issues with this movie that really push the logic and, and really uh, make you question, like, you know, what they were thinking. And it's a, it's a movie that I, I don't think lives up to the original. Um I think there are some solid performances by the the girls, but then outside of that, just everybody else is is, is pretty terrible. Uh, and 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 the story itself, just it. I don't know what that ending is about. Literally, <laughs> I don't know what it's about. But also, yeah. uh, I don't know the origins of that. And and if this was always supposed to to kind of end this way, or if this is a, you know, uh, an editing thing, um, I will say there are also some editing errors, too, that are pretty glaring, specifically when it, it cuts back and forth in time between the montage and and other parts. But, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess. And it's it's a shame because I was really looking forward to it. Hey, when in 24 years, when Craft 3 comes out, all your questions <laughs> will be answered. Just hold on. Oh, man. I, I just I just want to say, too, that. I think like 
I mean, yeah, the, I agree with you about the third act and the villain. And you're saying all these things that, you know, I'm I'm being reminded of and I could not agree more. I will say that watching this movie brought about a feeling that I haven't felt since probably since about that time period. I mean, granted, I, I didn't see the craft when it came out and I still haven't. But um, I remember what it was like to see movies like The Faculty or Disturbing Behavior and, you know, say what you will about these films. But I remember what it was like to be a teen and seeing these teen horror films. And, you know, I I guess in that sense, I, I I had a pretty good time watching this and I'm not going to say I felt like a teenager again, but in some ways I, I kind of did. And um, I mean, with that said, guys, let's, let's find our fourth. So we can start (laughs) this, this male witch coven and let's let's find the water sign. or whatever. Yeah. Not be the male witches. Yeah, oh, no. guys, warlocks, really warlocks. quick. Who who else was thinking the Captain Planet theme when they were saying those uh, when okay. they were saying the different elements? Come on, <laughs> I come mean, on. I love that every single time we talk about a movie, there's a moment that Brian brings in that we're like, okay, and now transitioning. Um, <laughs> we'll save that for the next episode. Yeah, 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 we'll we'll do all the Captain Planet talk next episode. Um, Perfect. <laughs> so sticking with uh, the horror theme. Uh, let's talk about movies that we actually enjoy just briefly, because I don't know about you guys, but after watching the craft, uh, I was kind of bummed by the lack of, of quality horror. Uh, I know there have been great horror movies in 2020, but you know, this was the year we were supposed to get Halloween kills. There were a number of other movies that were going to be coming out this fall that were supposed to be pretty great that we were all excited about Candyman, uh, things like that, where you know, we were hoping to have some really great movies to talk about. And instead, you know, it's the craft legacy, you know, whatever. But uh, so I want to throw it to Mike. Uh, do you have a, a recommendation uh, that you want to throw out there that pe- people may be able to uh, watch this weekend? Uh, well, whenever I talk horror, I always first and foremost recommend uh, going back and watching The Monster Squad because that oh. is. Mm-hmm. That is my entry into horror as like a four or five year old. I think I saw that. And it's like the Goonies meets the Universal Monsters. And it's it's just a lovely, lovely movie. And I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, it, Nostalgia goggles and all. I will admit that, you know, I have nostalgia for it. And that probably clouds my judgment of it these days. But I still love that movie. Um, But if we're talking 2020, uh I haven't seen a ton of great stuff. Uh, Possessor is not out yet, sadly, for me to recommend. And uh, there is at least one uh, surprisingly Shudder original movie called Host that I thought was actually pretty decent. Uh, Um, Just to quickly build off of that, Shudder, for those those listeners who aren't familiar, is a quality streaming service if you're a fan of genre movies. you say shockingly when you mentioned Shutter Originals, but uh, over the past couple of years, they've really kind of released quite a bit um, original, quite a few original films, I should say, that that have yeah. surprised me. Uh, and and Host is one that's definitely getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, you do find a lot of gems within Shutter, but you have to wade through, like like you would at like an old video store. You have to right. wade through the crap when it comes to uh, that stuff. And that's just the horror genre in general. There's going to be a lot of low budget, like terrible, terrible stuff, but then you're going to find little gems like host, uh, which I would just call, you know, it's very much a a COVID movie. Six friends get together uh, with a medium to have like a, a zoom seance, if you will. 
uh, and they all kind of get uh, a, a little bit of a, a haunting uh, experience Interesting. Uh, with each of them. So it, it's kind of like a short, super short, super tight, like I think it's only like an hour long, but uh, it was – uh, it had a lot of good paranormal activity-esque kind of moments to it. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, actually fairly decent performances for people that are just looking into their computers. Yes, there are some logic gaps where why are you carrying your freaking laptop with you, you idiot? Um, but uh, for the most part, I thought it was really enjoyable, uh, especially compared to a lot of the things I've seen uh, this year. I've been catching up on a lot of old horror stuff, but for 2020, that's probably – towards the top of the list fair enough and and just to mention if you're interested in monster squad and i also highly recommend that movie i believe it is on prime video right now so you can watch it so yeah brian what's uh what's your recommendation well really quick i mean i'm gonna stand as an example uh mike recommended monster squad to me uh maybe about a year or two ago uh because i was looking for something you know i was saying i'd like to find something that's kind of in that Goonies, Stranger Things kind of element. He recommended Monster Squad so much, and I kept putting it off. I'll, I'll watch it, you know. N- next time I see you, I'll I'll, I'll watch the movie. And, it did become a running gag with us, where I'd be like, it, "You watched it you watch the Monster Squad yet?" Yes. Uh, <laughs> finally watched it, and boy, did I love it. And and this is, you know, coming from from an adult perspective, that is a really really fun movie that. Um, sadly, my children, I, I, I don't know that they're quite old enough, uh, to watch it yet. I don't know, but maybe I'm not sure either way. That is a great movie. Um, but yeah, agreed about the horror this year. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know if you'd put invisible man speaking of Jason Blum and Blumhouse, but I don't know if you put that in the traditional horror category. I love invisible man. Um, and I mean, I've I've been yeah going back and revisiting some some rather underrated films. I still feel like Drag Me to Hell is unbelievably underrated, and I I just think that's a really effective campy horror film with I think one of the best endings. The last couple minutes of that movie are just awesome. I I rarely walk out of a horror film with a big smile on my face, and that one just still to this day. I can't watch it very often because I always want to revisit that feeling that I felt the first time I saw it of just pure glee. Um, I agree with one, agree to drag me to hell for me. Oh, interesting. Ooh. Uh, I was going to say, Ooh, I like it to build off drag me from hell, drag me to hell, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Of course, I would just venture to say, if you just go to Sam Raimi, his, uh, his IMDb and just pick a horror movie, you're probably going to be entertained. I mean, this is a master of craft and, and uh, but if you want to watch Drag Me to Hell, that's on Hulu now, apparently. Um, for myself, though, uh, building off the the Monster Squad thing, there's a movie uh, that Netflix just released. I haven't seen it myself, but it, it gave me those Monster Squad vibes of young kids versus paranormal sort of ideas. And that was Vampires versus the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, looked, it, oh. I, I don't know that it's any good and I can't say that it is. But watching the trailer, it, it kind of got me that. uh excited to see little kids versus evil again so there's that but uh my personal pick which is very very different is uh sleepaway camp uh i am a (laughs) old school sort of slasher guy i love slashers and 
Sleepaway Camp is a movie that if you tell me you like horror, I immediately ask if you've seen it. And if you haven't, I recommend it. It's not a good movie. I'll say that right now. Uh, <laughs> however, the ending is probably the best, most shocking ending to a slasher movie you'll ever see. And it will have you scratching your heads and it will be uh, it'll be a discussion for for some time after. Um, it's it's just it's a ripoff of Friday the 13th. It um, has a, a pretty iconic lead performance uh, from a, a, a young actress. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those movies. I just, I, if you want to watch your friends react crazily to a movie, <laughs> Sleepaway Camp is it. That's all I'll say. And yeah. you know, I don't, uh, I know, I, again, you guys are, are probably purists who will hate Sleepaway Camp, but uh, to me, it's, it's a movie that's a lot of fun to watch. I can't say I've seen it, so I'll, huh? I'll check it out. Don't read any spoilers. That's all I'll say. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I, the ending is haunting. I yeah. mean, it is. It, it really does stick with you for a good a good while. I um, I have the box set. I have a oh my. I have a sleepaway camp mask that I hang on my wall in my basement. It is a movie that yes is is near and dear to my heart. We found ourselves a fanboy here. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, now moving on. Before we uh, before we end this episode, I do want to point out some things that uh, are coming later this week or, or uh, could be depending on when this episode is posted. But uh, this week is also big uh, for The Mandalorian Season 2, which is premiering on Disney Plus on Friday, the 30th. Yes. I, I know you guys are both excited. Uh, mm. or, or maybe not. Uh, very. Mike, no, very. Oh, very, okay. very okay. much, yes. Brian just felt a little... Uh, uneasy about that no no I, and i i only just recently finished actually the season it took me a little while just because i wasn't too sure at first but that ended on a on a on a great note so i'm i'm, I'm excited yes i Can't i wait. think for myself mandalorian season one it took me a little bit to get into like what you were saying but after yeah. rise of skywalker and my disappointment with that i i kind of oh, looked true. back with with rose-colored glasses at Mandalorian. I was like, well, this isn't that bad, is it, huh? So yeah. uh, I'm mildly interested in season two. Uh, I know that's terrible to say, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will watch it. Also, arriving in theaters, we have a, a horror movie called Come Play, which comes out on Friday. We do have a review of that on the website, um, which I highly recommend, uh, the review. I haven't seen the film, so I can't tell you about that. But uh, our review is actually pretty complimentary. Um, Andrew Crump gave it a B, and uh, yeah, he, he kind of enjoyed it. So if you're looking for horror and maybe you want to venture out into a movie theater and support the biz, you know, there you go. Uh, go with God. Then you have... Uh, <laughs> His House, which I think is the real star and, and um, is the movie that even with all the other movies we've talked about this week, which is this is the movie that if you want to watch something this weekend, horror or not, uh, this is it. This is a movie that came out at Sundance this year. Uh, it's directed by Remy Weeks. It's uh, got people immediately talking about Get Out in comparisons, but the good news about this movie is you don't have to pay to see it if you're a Netflix subscri subscriber because it is going to be on the uh, service on Friday. So you can watch this from the comfort of your own home. And uh, yeah, it's a movie that we really liked out of Sundance and 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 wholeheartedly recommend. 
is there anything else you guys wanted to to add about those movies? I don't I don't know if you've seen either one of those or I've or only not. seen the trailers for both and and his house looks yeah. phenomenal. So I'm really looking forward to that and Mandalorian Agreed. and and just doing some uh, uh as light of trick or treating as possible. Uh and that's about it yeah. for me. Yeah, without kids I I can't say that I'll be venturing out and uh <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious <laughs> if you did. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, maybe we'll have trick-or-treaters at our house. I don't know. It's it, yes. Yeah. So with that in mind, I, I, let's say let's end this episode by saying, you know, take care of yourselves, people, because this is a an odd time, especially when it's a beloved holiday like Halloween. Like, the, you know, normally we talk about, you know, venturing out and knocking on all the doors and eating all kinds of candy. But depending on where you're located, that may not be something you'll do this year. And uh, so, you know, if you do, be safe. And otherwise, uh We'll be back next week. Um, we're going to be talking about non-horror movies, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Watch some horror movies. Yes.